0: You're listening to The Local Maximum, episode 210. Time to expand your perspective. Welcome to The Local Maximum. Now, here's your host, Max Sklar. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. You have reached another Local Maximum. Joined by Aaron today here in The Local Maximum studio. How you doing, Aaron?
1: It's a pleasure as always.
0: Yes. And today, okay, it took me a while to get my energy up because I feel like, you know, I have very low energy on those dark, cold days and also on those like hot and humid days. So there's a period like almost six months apart where I'm like, woof, I can't do it, but I, I can do it. And, and, it's just and we little- are
1: emerging from, uh, what is it, Winter Storm Kenan? Uh, I didn't know it had a name. Yeah, I didn't until, until uh, yesterday afternoon, and, and, and I hate it. Uh, yeah, naming Winter Storms, bad choice, and whoever decided to do that, you should feel bad about being wrong.
0: I was promised, like, the storm of the century. It was going to be three feet. We weren't going to be able to see anything. And it was just kind of, eh, so, you know, probably a, a storm that I would expect during the course of the winter, but nothing too crazy.
1: Yeah, my daughter was concerned that the snow was going to be taller than she was. and uh, Not even close. Y- yeah, not, not, not a problem.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah, all right, so we have a few... Um, News items to, talk, to you, uh, talk about today, including the metaverse. And then on to a mathematical topic, uh, do infinite sets exist? That's an interesting one. Uh, first of all, this is a story we've been uh, following over the years in the Local Maximum. The end of Diem. Diem is over. Now, you're probably thinking to yourself as I as I broke this this shocking news, what the heck is Diem? And yeah, it oh, turns
1: out... It's it's not a per yeah. Diem?
0: No, no. Yeah, well... <laughs> I, I suppose maybe those two terms are related. So you probably heard, if you remember back to maybe 2019, now this was, this feels like a million years ago, 2019. Yeah, Pre-COVID? Are you
1: crazy? Yeah, yeah.
0: So essentially, Bitcoin is dead, other cryptocurrencies are dead because Facebook is coming out with their own coin and for those of you who don't understand i I don't
1: think anyone outside of mountain view actually thought that yeah i know
0: (laughs) well no but like that was the narrative in a lot of the uh in in a lot of kind of the mainstream sources get out of
1: the way kitties the big the big fish is in the pond yeah yeah.
0: but anyone who understands how cryptocurrencies work realize that this is you know not this is kind of a, a fool's errand Um, but you never know. They could always, uh, you know, anytime you think something for certain, there's always this little possibility in your mind. Maybe there's something I don't understand. Maybe this isn't going to turn out the way I think. But, um, anyway, they, they rebranded to Diem from Libra. They originally called Libra because the, um, uh, the Winklevoss twins had, had Gemini. Right. And so, you know, Zuckerberg, I think chose Libra to be like, that's after Gemini, you know, in the, uh, a, in the calendar. It's a low blow. Right, right, right. So, <laughs> yes, if I didn't blow you enough, I'm going to blow you again. Right, I, well, that came out yeah. wrong. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I was going to say, are, are we not doing
1: phrasing anymore? Okay, anyway,
0: uh, I, I'm very bad at, uh, <laughs> coming up with phrases, um, on the, on the fly. Um, it would make it, uh, kind of impossible for me to, to run for office or anything like that. But anyway, let's, uh, let's go back from there. Any, anyway, so, um um, Zuckerberg was sticking it to them. The problem was, uh, Libra being associated with Facebook was kind of a negative because people didn't want to be associated with Facebook for the whole privacy issue. Facebook's, uh, name didn't carry, uh, uh, you know, didn't actually help. It turned out to be a hindrance. And so they had this large conglomerate or not conglomerate, uh, a, um, consortium consortium. Yeah. And, uh, And they changed the name to Diem. And so that was their currency. And then the question is, has it failed completely or did it just hit a roadblock? Well, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Facebook's ambitious effort to bring cryptocurrency to the masses has failed. The Diem Association, the consortium Facebook founded in 2019 to build a futuristic payments network is winding down and selling its technology to a small California bank that serves Bitcoin and blockchain companies for about two hundred million dollars, a person familiar with the matter said, um, "Now, two hundred million is it seems like a lot, but it's a small amount for uh, for these folks. Uh, so, I don't know. That that sounds pretty unequivocally dead to me. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, that's uh, that's about as dead I mean, as you can get.
1: They they could, they could always try to breathe more life into it, but uh, I I don't foresee that happening. Yeah. Uh, no. So 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 two thoughts. One before we move too much further." Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going to reach back to my uh, my, my astrology here. Uh, yes. And and, and it, it did not occur to me until you were in the middle of saying that, that uh, both Libra and Gemini are, are actually very apt uh, 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 names for these. Gemini, because so they were know the no- twins. Okay, I actually know nothing about so, these. So that, that makes sense for for the... Um, I'm blanking on, on their names now. The, the Winkelvoss twins. The Winklevoss twins, thank you. Tyler um, and Cameron. And, and I believe Libra was the scales, which if you're talking about... Wait, wait,
0: uh, hold on. Uh, Gemini are twins. Yes, what? I, I didn't know there are twins on the uh, in, in the zodiac. Are there?
1: And and that's why the uh, the Gemini program, uh, which which uh, preceded Apollo, was was named as such because it involved docking. Oh, yeah, two vehicles uh, mm-hmm, as as practice for what they would have to do with the okay. later Apollo program.
0: Yeah, and Libra.
1: And so Libra, I believe, is 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 a, a scale, um, which if you're talking about a a. Uh, Yes, a stable coin, uh, oh. but might seem like inappropriate. Uh, I I I would have to imagine that that they had people on their team who thought this all through and it, it wasn't just a happy accident. But it only just occurred to me.
0: Okay, yeah, no, that's very interesting. Um, yeah, I'm I'm I don't think it was an accident. I think it was per, uh, purposeful. Yeah,
1: the, the the dig at the Winklevosses is just a happy happy bonus, I think, for Zuckerberg on top of that.
0: <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, it seems like. how could that possibly be an accident? That's like slash they knew. Um, Right. So I, look, this is one of those times where I get to say, we told you so. In episode 72, uh, when I I had Miriam on the show back in in the Foursquare office, we predicted this failure. And then in episode 139, we did an update on Libra languishing and we're like, almost told you so. (laughs) Now it's definitively we told you so on it, it, this it one. It took a while. I, yeah. I was going
1: to ask, do we have uh, any records from the, the tech retreats in our predictions specifically about Libra, but, but a, a specific on-show prediction is, is even more on point.
0: than Right, that. right. And I feel like, and I wrote this down, I feel like it's almost a reverse Gandhi, whereas the quote attributed to Gandhi, which is not really, well, well, it, let me give you the quote first. Is you might've heard it. It's first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. Um, and I looked it up. I actually think it's a it's a paraphrase of a letter written by him. So that's actually not so bad. Um, but it, this is almost like first you tell them you're so big and fo- powerful that you can't lose, and then you languish, and then you lose. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a reverse Gandhi kind of a situation. So um, yeah, this happened. I one um, one comment that I saw. Uh, I don't think it was a comment. I think it was something that was written in a media article. It might have been the New York Times or someone like that. Uh, this article I'm getting from the uh, Wall Street Journal. Actually, the the uh, the other one might be something from from Washington Post. Was like this is an example of Facebook's um, Facebook's mantra of failing fast. <laughs> now, I don't know. That's fifty
1: percent accurate.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you have the fail part. Now, fast three years really isn't fast. Maybe for something like this maybe you can argue hey this was such a moonshot and they have to do a lot of these to uh to to get one that finally sticks and then it's a trillion trillion dollar market and you know they they, they you know maybe it was a, a a good risk but i i don't think so i think that um i think they could have seen this coming from the beginning and i actually think it was a misguided uh attempt to um to, uh, to 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 uh, follow the trend, which was they see all these coins coming out. There weren't NFTs then, but they're like, "Oh yeah, cryptocurrencies, coins. That's what we have to. That's what we have to get, folks. Let's uh, let's get me some coins." And then they put this together, and they did it to impress investors and impress management, who apparently were not impressive enough to to see through this. But um, I I think that a lot of tech management gets into this. Um, into the, I'm, I'm so, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I I love ripping on tech management in general on this show, but they get into this thing where they have to follow the trends. And I think many times like that kind of, you never really, uh, well, sometimes you do make it big by following the trends. I guess Facebook originally did, but, um, but uh, oftentimes it doesn't work out uh, the way you think it is. And so um, I just want to say, A couple things before we, and this plays into Facebook's rebranding as Meta because now they're like, okay, you know, okay, folks, coins are out, metaverse is in, let's do this. (laughs) Yeah, you know and um what, okay what what is in my mind this is not uh this is not um this is not politically correct but i i almost have facebook not being very politically correct I'm like okay boys it's time for some meta <laughs> drop your coins take up your meta like that's that's sort of how i f- feel like it is but um what what were you saying what, say,
1: what what is jack dorsey's uh other venture other than twitter is that square yes so so i i feel like the way they went in on this and 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 put their name all over. It well, now it's like Cube. If, no, now it's Block. Well, if if, if yeah. when he launched Square, if instead of launching it as its own thing, if if he'd instead been like, okay, we're bringing Twitter Cash and and tried to like launch it inside that ecosystem, I think. A, people would be like, w- what do I need this for? And B, right. it would feel like a weird overreach. Uh, and and that's exactly what we saw here, that that everybody had a, a, a visceral negative reaction to it. Whereas if maybe if they'd done this as a, a separate kind of spin off, spin out with, with borrowing some resources from Facebook, but standing it up separately, or if they'd, you know, supported this consortium, but been very much a silent partner and, and, and Kept it under wraps. Maybe they could have gotten it to the point where it was a viable, you know, viable thing to stand on its own and launch, and then they could leverage that. But not the way they did it, putting the Facebook name front front forwards there on there.
0: Well, they never explains the benefit of it other than one thing. Uh, but the, the the there is no benefit in terms of having another cryptocurrency. It doesn't provide any service that that Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything else doesn't provide, and. There are already stable coins out there, GUSD, Gemini, uh, not needed. Um, The only benefit they have is like, well, we're Facebook and we're huge. So if we make this the native currency of Facebook, it's going to be huge. That is the only benefit they had for it. And so to spin it off, it made no sense. But that should have been a red flag. Well, saying, well, I'm, I'm sure minute. they
1: pitched it as well as like we're going to yeah. make the barriers to entry so low, and even your grandmother can do it. But but they didn't. There there wasn't anything they delivered on that front <laughs> that made it a convincing case for 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 them being able to differentiate themselves. Yeah,
0: there. I think they never really had a plan, uh, to be honest. Uh, and I I wonder. I'm wondering if this is proof of the value of decentralized blockchain solutions where it's like, yes, everyone. Now, a lot of people are afraid that there's going to be central bank digital currencies that, um, you know, central banks around the world, whether it's the the World Bank or IMF or the Federal Reserve or whatever is coming out with their own uh, cryptocurrency. I mean, some cu- countries have and that those are going to compete with uh with the sort of decentralized blockchain-based, I guess the maybe the the central bank might be blockchain as well, but the open blockchain-based digital currencies might not, um, you, know, you you know might not be able to compete. But I think this is a good kind of warm-up indicator that um, that uh, the the cryptoverse as it is right now can compete very well with these centrally planned kind of solutions. And so you know, Bitcoin is still king of the. Uh, of the cryptoverse there are other ones out there as well but um they are they seem to stick around and and all of these big players that come in and try to plan things from the top down from a big company from a big organization have actually failed so um
1: well yeah that that ties directly back into what you were hinting at before with the metaverse that uh you you can have an argument about whether the the core idea and the product is viable and worthwhile but uh if if you're uh putting the Facebook brand on it, uh, front and center. Uh, that's, that's going to be, uh, perhaps more of a, a, uh, a, a, burden, a, uh, a, you know, there's, there's no synergy there. It's, it's going to make the, the sell harder than it, if the idea were to try to stand on its own two feet.
0: Right. Right. So in a later episode, I know we, we finally have, uh, we finally have a president who is going to speak about cryptocurrencies. Um, I'm not sure Biden has any idea what they are, but um, th- I mean, that kind of reminds me, you know, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I hate to say it because Rahm Emanuel, I actually think is, is a, uh, probably, well, I, I'm pretty sure he's a pretty smart guy. But I remember he was, I, I was actually there in person when he was presenting the four square badges, the, the Chicago badge came out i was in chicago and so he made a little talk he said this is great business in chicago the chicago badge but afterwards i felt like he was just like i don't know what the heck this is i'm out of here but i guess that makes sense um but anyway uh biden is going to release his executive action on cryptocurrencies and nfts i don't want to talk about right now because it hasn't been released but uh we're going to get to that uh when he does uh soon i we don't know what it's going to be um but um I have a feeling it's created by people who don't know what they're doing. So we'll see what happens.
1: If I feel like I'm too old to understand the point of NFTs, then Joe Biden is absolutely (laughs) too old to understand NFTs. Yeah. Yeah. And and maybe they have some, some, you know, late teen 20 somethings in their, in their administration, some interns who understand this, but I, I can't imagine there's anybody in a position of actual power in, in the white house staff that, gets what this is.
0: Right. Uh yeah, I I think well, we'll see what it is. I don't want to yeah. comment on it. I could go on and on about what they might be doing, but I don't want to comment T-BD. on yeah. it. TBD. Yeah, put yeah. put
1: that on on the uh, the agenda for a future episode.
0: Okay. So, Facebook walked into this blender. Could the same thinking uh be behind their uh 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 uh, 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 uh the metaverse, the same kind of flawed thinking? Um, as envisioned by the big tech leaders, um, and so I guess what I'm where I'm going here is like the crypto sphere. The cryptocurrencies have been planned from the be- ground up. Bitcoin originally was just like one person. I mean, maybe some people think Satoshi Nakamoto is actually an organization, but even so, it wasn't like a, a global, you know. BMA. it was if it was an organization, it was a few people. Right. And. Um, uh, and then grew from the ground up, and a lot of these other currencies were done by individuals, and, and it was like a marketplace, whereas the metaverse is sort of being envisioned by the top-down, by by these big tech leaders, and is that going to work? Um, and so, uh, you know, you had Facebook uh, rebranding itself to Meta, so that shows the, the harm in the Facebook name. Like, they don't even want to use the name anymore. And um, w- so... Let's talk about what the metaverse. What's it supposed to be? It's supposed to be a um, a virtual reality place where people get together in in free three D. But I'm I'm concerned that metaverse is starting to be just a rebranding of virtual reality because that's not what I thought it was. That's not what it is in the science fiction literature. It's actually a a universe that you go into or a, a world that you go into where you interact with people. But there's a semi permanence to that world, whereas this is more like just kind of glorified P- VR, but I don't even know if it's glorified. They say it includes a digital second life as a mix-in, but what is that? Just social media, just your identity online? So I, uh, I'm, I'm sort of uh, wondering where this is going, but Microsoft is getting in to the metaverse business. They bought this company, Activision Blizzard, for $70 billion, $68.7 billion, that is a Eye-popping amount. So
1: I, I hadn't thought yeah. of that as a metaverse play.
0: Yeah. Well, they they consider it a metaverse play. Now, this company does not have VR uh, software, but they do have Call of Duty, World of Warcraft. These are massively multiplayer games. Um, what's the acronym? I think it's MMORPG. Yes. The, okay. I can never pronounce that. Orp. Uh, yeah, massively- I, I,
1: I, I don't think you, uh, you. You 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 say the acronym as the letters. Okay,
0: massively multiplayer online role playing games. So maybe this is the idea where, you know, if you turn that into a virtual reality version, that's more of a metaverse type situation. Uh, But again, it's more it's more virtual reality. Um, And so, I
1: I would see the bigger battle between Microsoft and and. I was going to say Facebook, but uh, I'll, I'll play along meta here, uh, is, is really about VR versus AR when it comes to this, because mm. they both have visions of the metaverse, uh, at, but they have different core competencies in, in what their their companies are able to provide, that Microsoft has gone much deeper on the augmented reality, with, what is it, their HoloLens-derived product, uh, while, yeah, I haven't. while Facebook uh, has, they acquired Oculus, however many years ago that was, and so they're, they're going for a fully immersive VR uh, approach. And, right. Uh, so, so th- what they're both referring to as metaverse, I think, are are divergent concepts. Uh, but but they suffer from I think the same problem you're talking about that that it's it's less a uh, a digital universe uh, with with that kind of persistence and uh, and and volume to it, and more a uh, we've taken your Zoom conferences and put them into a. Uh, augmented reality or virtual reality environment.
0: Right. So there are two uses for it, I can see, is like gaming, which, uh, you know, you can kind of envision how that's already working with the MMO, whatever. And uh, the second one is, right, 3D meetings. Like who wants that? I, I feel like-
1: Well, so th- there's a hybrid of that I'm usually that I think pretty actually good. works pretty well. And and I haven't done yeah. any VR, so I don't have direct experience with this, but I've heard really good things about the the VR version of, of uh, I think it's Tabletop Simulator. Um, which which allows you to uh, bring people from around the world uh, into a virtual room and and do something literally like play a board game or or a uh, a role playing game around the table and uh, it's it's more immersive than just doing it through Zoom screens or just audio uh, but but you're also not trying to create like a a, a, a the kind of uh, verisimilitude that that gets you across the uncanny valley you're you're okay with with that abstraction and I think in that in that Narrow use case, it works, but expanding that to like work meetings and every other social interaction that I have seems less desirable. And maybe again, that's because I'm an old uh, <laughs> and and the kids these days. You always brand yourself as old. I, You're I not feel old. old. Uh, well, I I feel old because I don't get the appeal here. I I think what they're pitching is there's there's little value, not zero, but a lot less than than. What they clearly see in it, if they think they can make that much money off of it.
0: Well, well, the problem is you call yourself—you you don't even call yourself old. You call yourself an old, like it's a—it's a, it's a <laughs> noun. Um, but the people who are pushing this and coming up with this—they're even older.
1: This is true. Yeah. And so, uh, I, so I have no no faith in them being better touched there. No, if, I feel if anything, like, it's by accident.
0: I, I mean, it's Mark Zuckerberg who's who's my age and the older people that he hired, uh, and I feel like there's—it's basically just a bunch of middle-aged men trying to play out their fantasies of what being a tech god will be like right
1: and and the stereotype is that you know back in the 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 2010s all the all the High school and college kids got off Facebook because that's where their parents were, right? Uh, and and fled to you know I guess first Snapchat and then TikTok and I don't know what the next thing is. It's probably something so cool I haven't even heard of it yet. But
0: you know, the, <laughs> you're not hipster enough.
1: If if they've already fled the platform, I can't imagine this is going to bring them back in.
0: Right, uh, right. No, it'd have to be a new platform. Um, one comment that uh, oh shoot, I don't even have the the person being quoted, but this looks like. Uh, it's an official at, uh, you know, I should probably look into who was actually while while you're looking for that.
1: I think a, a, even more simplified assessment here is, is something that you were talking about before with the, with the crypto, um, not in terms of, of decentralization versus top down, but in a kind of follow the trends approach here that Facebook and, and Microsoft feel like they were caught off guard by zoom somehow coming out of nowhere and winning the, uh, the the video conferencing market, uh, during 2020. Uh, and, and so they're seeing this as a way that they can kind of recapture that inertia. Uh, and, and I, I think it's, I think it's a flawed play, but that's what they're going for. They want to be able to dominate that market that if they're going to be people sitting in front of screens, talking to other people, sitting in front of screens, they want to be doing, they want those people to be doing it in their walled garden.
0: Right, but or at least
1: looking through their window so that they can collect data and serve advertisements to them.
0: I think that the um, uh, that the Zoom example is another example that is in some way related to the cryptocurrency example. I understand like Zoom is a is a centralized company, but it's also started as uh, its own startup. Um, you know. Uh, uh, focused on this very right, specific it, thing. It wasn't
1: a team inside Microsoft developing their video conferencing tool. It was a group that got together to do that one specific thing.
0: And I actually think that's, if if a metaverse does come to pass, it's going to be someone like that. It's not going to be these companies. But anyway, so this quote is from Matthew Ball, a venture capitalist who has written exclusively about the topic. Uh, this is uh, from, from the New York Times article recently about it. Uh, 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 said... The metaverse represented the fourth wave to computers following mainstream computing, personal computing, and mobile computing. It's moving into what people call ambient computing, he said about the metaverse. It's about being within the computer rather than accessing the computer. It's about being always online rather than having access to an online world. Now, does that remind you of anything, the term ambient computing? Because I believe I had that term... uh, Passive computing. Say, locked what what up. could
1: you possibly be hinting at? Yeah, yeah no, I. I it, it definitely has some solid echoes there.
0: Right, right. So my passive computing thing, and this actually, these ideas, a lot of them come from Dennis Crowley, but it's more like you know having, you know, having your it's it's not just about it's it, whereas ambient computing is things being with within the computer, but passive computing is being like uh, the uh, your computations happening without your um, without your needed input. Like it almost uh, it um, it anticipates what you're going to need. Um, I mean that's a part of it. Uh, but um, I I think they're trying to make something happen, but it it might not be up to them. Is what is, mm. is how is how is how we'll see. But we'll 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 see how it goes. Um, you know I uh, I obviously. They're not. Microsoft's not going to buy this thing for seventy billion dollars and not put up a, a hell of a fight. But it could just be domination of the gaming market, uh, which would probably also be worth seventy thousand dollars. I mean, I thought by now with their so, Connect, they would be
1: seventy billion. Did I say million? You said thousand. Oh, thousand? <laughs> <laughs> I, I would buy at that price. Yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> I might too. Uh, yeah, I, I think the
1: other thing we skipped over because cause we, we jumped right to the implications for the metaverse. For, first
0: of all, by the way, this is not the first time I've got those order magnitudes wrong. I get them wrong all the time. So definitely call me out on that.
1: Sorry, it's it's just a few zeros between yeah. friends. Uh, but Yeah. It, it, separate from the, the metaverse implications, uh, if, if we're, we're purely looking at the uh, computer and, and console gaming markets, uh, this is a big splash because uh, Activision Blizzard was a, a quote-unquote independent uh, developer. Uh, and now that they are being brought into the Microsoft stable, uh, that, that has some people worried about uh, kind of parity across the market for releases on other platforms. So Microsoft obviously has their, their Xbox line of consoles um, and uh, a big deal in the console market, especially when it comes around time of launching a new console is who has exclusive uh, games to their platform. Um, So I I don't know that Blizzard, Blizzard Activision has been uh, under contract to do any exclusive uh, games for Sony and the PlayStation platform. Uh, that, that have yet to been released. Uh, but it, it sounds like they have confirmed that the next three call of duty games will be released on both platforms. So that Microsoft is not immediately at least bringing that in-house as a, as a Xbox Microsoft exclusive. Right. Um, which, you know, I, I haven't played one of those games in probably a decade. And, and when I did, it was on PC because I'm, I'm uh, a firm believer in the supremacy of mouse and keyboard, but, uh, those are big deal names, uh, in terms of, of, you know, kind of hardcore gamer recognition and, uh, and revenue for the industry. So that, that matters. And, and yeah, I think Sony is, is going to be maybe not quaking in their boots, but definitely considering their options for how they can secure a, uh, a safer future for, for their console market.
0: Right. Right. And this is a huge deal. It could take 18 months to finalize and, um, exactly like it could just be all about the content for xbox but they're saying metaverse as a marketing kind of a kind of a thing also i should note there are unverified rumors that apple glasses will come out this year that would be a big deal but Mm -hmm. again uh unverified so we'll cover that as it as it happens so that would be another thing in this in this debate all right I think it's time for the math topic of the day unless you have something else to
1: uh I, I don't think so let's let's right. shift gears.
0: All right. So I actually wanted to talk about uh something in set theory called the axiom of infinity. Um and it without getting too much detail it basically says that infinite sets exist. You could have an infinity of things and um there is some controversy some controversy about it. And so I just want to talk about why that is. And so first of all, I want to get one thing in the debate out of the way, because in episode 94, I talked about something called infinite ratios, a little bit different from infinite sets. An infinite ratio is when, you know, if, okay, what, what's a ratio? If I have a certain number of things, let's what's the, what's the math? Like apples, right? If I have three apples and you have three apples, our ratio is one to one, one to one, right? If I have zero apples and you have however many, five, five apples, okay. right? So the ratio is zero to one. Um, but if you reverse that and you're the one with zero, then that same ratio becomes five to zero or one to zero. And, um, you know, we don't really have a very good way of, of talking about that, ma- that mathematics, but we can introduce an infinite ratio. um, Sometimes mathematicians formalize this as like the as like the projective line. Like you're you're keeping track of the two numbers. So uh, um, you know you just like you could have a zero ratio. You can have an infinite ratio. Now that is if you want more information about that, that's on episode ninety four. That's different from what we're talking about today because today we're talking about infinite sets like let's think of one, the set of counting numbers. That's a very simple one. Okay. Zero, one, two, of course I can't start with zero. because no,
1: can, with... can we take a step back yeah, for a moment? Ask and, me a and what is a set?
0: Right. It's just a collection of things. Cause, but cause I'm, in, I'm
1: trying to visualize this as something I can like draw a circle around and right. And that becomes difficult when that thing is infinite.
0: Right. Right. So <laughs> a set is, there is no requirement that you can draw a circle around it. Um, it could be, uh, um, A uh, it could be a a finite set of finite things. Now you could have a set of things that are so a set is is generally as a mathematical concept are a set of like things that you've previously defined or talked about. So, but you can actually uh, talk about a set as if the items in the set are like um, physical objects. Then what you're doing is you're kind of mixing a mathematical reality with a physical reality, which is what we do sometimes. Like if I say, hey, there's a pond out there. I'm talking about the uh, the set of ducks in that pond. We can wrap our head around that, but that's not a mathematical um Object. That's not a purely mathematical object. Right. It's a mathematical construct. There, there are complications on top of the when you apply a, right.
1: a mathematical construct to to reality, and right. and then do mathematical operations, and then try and bring it back to reality. Right.
0: But you probably can in that case, because you could say, okay, that that could be put to one one to one in terms of this set that has twenty elements. So I, I'm saying that means that there are twenty ducks in that pond. Uh, but generally. The uh, items in the set when you talk about mathematics are all mathematical constructions, which mean they're very precise, logical definitions on how they're created. So one example is, is numbers, there's counting numbers. And sp- specifically, there's a very specific rule as to how those are created. And the rule is basically you, can, you get zero for free. The, 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 there are two rules. First rule is you get zero. And the second rule is any number you could create, you could create a successor. So you get to one, you get to two, so on and so forth. And then so you could easily create a set of a finite set of that. That just means there's a certain number of elements. And you create a set of like two, four, and six. Whereas you you define two as the successor to the successor of zero. But we don't have to uh we don't have to write that all out. We all know how it goes. Zero, one, two. We, we we've known how that goes since age uh, your kids are probably old enough to know that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So it, at least up to a reasonable number at least up to a reasonable number right uh so uh but then there is the idea well i've got these two rules can i create the set of all objects that could be created using those two rules that's the set of natural numbers and so that is considered a mathematically precise definition i understand the definition of of how those how to use those two rules needs further like explanation in terms of the fundamentals but let's not care about that. Um, so that's considered a set in mathematics and most mathematicians agree and, and including, uh, I I also agree that that should be considered a set as well. Um, however, uh, it took mathematicians a while to accept this, uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, first of all, so it w- wasn't really accepted until uh, this mathematician, uh, Georg Cantor. I'm sure you've heard the word yep. Cantor before. Uh, this was in the late 1800s. So before that, infinity had to be very, very careful about that. And you still have to be careful about it. Um, but we've now formalized how, how you could do it. And I think there's a couple of reasons for why it's not accepted. First of all, like in mathematics, the interesting thing is there were a lot of things that were not allowed until some point, like zero. There was no zero. So zero Roman numerals. I mean, imagine how hard it was to talk about certain things without a zero. Zero is like I always check things at zero. That's how I solve all my problems. <laughs> uh, so um, you know, no negative numbers, no comp- complex imaginary numbers, etc. So now you might think like, oh great, uh, let me. Uh, Invent uh, a new new mathematical object, and then maybe I'll be oppressed. But uh, eventually, I'll get it out there. But I actually think that era is over, um, of not allowing certain things. I think nowadays in mathematics, like any, uh, like any structure is allowed so long as it can be justified as logically consistent, um, and it's even allowed if it's possibly logically in- inconsistent in order to like. Kind of discover, okay. What are the consequences? Um, you know, can we show that this is inconsistent, or we don't know if it's inconsistent? But here are the uh, here are the consequences that we do know about it. And then if it's shown as inconsistent, then all those kind of end up being nonsense anyway. But um, but you the era of of not allowing certain constructs is over now. There are sort of like standards in terms of okay, like. I, we consider natural numbers to be zero, one, two, three, like the counting numbers. Some people start at one. But you're not allowed to say, well, I invented another natural number that's not in there because like, it's kind of standard that we have this very useful set that we're just going to use. Um, and if you invent something else, then it's in something else. So, uh, I, so I, I actually think that uh, that, that era is, has been killed personally. I mean, I feel like there could be some some disagreement on that. Um, but uh, the second problem is is that there's a lot of problems that come up with infinite sets. Uh, first of all, there's some weird, like, arithmetic that happens. Like, if Hilbert's Hotel, you have an infinite number of people in hotel rooms, and then you have everyone move up a room, and all of a sudden you have a vacancy. Like, what's with that? And then also you have, like can have sets that contain themselves and then there's all sorts of paradoxes associated with that. And we talked about that in episode 39 where uh, if a set is not well-founded, if it's like, if, if it's, if it's a member of itself or it's, if it's a member of a member of itself, like if you can't get down to the bottom of what you're talking about, then um,
1: is this the classic, does the set of all sets contain itself?
0: Right, right, exactly. Um, and then if it does, it doesn't, or if, and if it doesn't, it does. So Is, is that Russell's uh, paradox? Or yeah, it's I, Russell's okay. paradox, right. And um, all right, So we talked about that in episode uh, 39. And so uh, that sort of led people to stay away from it. On the other hand, um, it turned out that you can make consistent rules with regard to it. In fact, Cantor came up with this idea that there are actually multiple levels of infinity. Um, so you can't just have you know, the level of natural numbers, but then when you have the level of real numbers, that is the continuum, and that can't be put in one-to-one correspondence with the natural numbers. Um, interestingly, fractions, you can put in one-to-one correspondence with the natural numbers, but um, it's... Uh, it's it, it, and, and by having this, like, stratified kind of... Um, uh, uh, th- this stratified, like... Uh, a a system you could actually get around a lot of the paradoxes and Hmm. come up with a lot of the rules but there are some holdouts interestingly enough there are some mathematicians that don't like the idea that you could talk about an infinite number of things and they are called there are two types there's uh finitists they only like finite things and they're okay with potentially infinite things uh so Aristotle talked about potentially infinite, so that goes a long way. There's a process of potentially infinite. And then there's like ultrafinitists who believe that even large numbers can't exist. Now, <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but there are some people who actually say this. Uh, have, I'm sure you have some questions. Oh, I, like I was question.
1: going to say, have they considered uh, the cost of purchasing Blizzard Activision?
0: <laughs> well, actually, they're not uh, worried about those numbers, but from my understanding is, first of all, they care about how those numbers are represented. Uh, So like, for example, the way I I spoke about it before, it's um, the numbers are represented as zero, successor, 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 successor. That's four. Okay, I just counted to four. Okay. Um, And so in their view, if you're using that system, like a Google doesn't exist, uh, one followed by a a hundred zeros, because that is... um, uh, you know, that's, uh, more than the number of atoms or electrons in the universe. There'll never be enough time to count to that, um, number. And so therefore they're like, well, it practically doesn't exist. So they don't like that in their mathematics, but they say, but if you represent it, if you represent numbers, uh, using, um, you know, using the, either the binary system or the decimal system or whatever place value system, then sure. You could have that number, but in any system we can construct these super huge numbers like Graham's number, which I'm not going to get into is you can't, you can't get there. So, um, uh, so I, I think that's the argument, but I can't, I'm not doing it justice because I'm a little bit, um, I, I realize I'm not doing it justice because I'm not a proponent of it. Hmm. So, um, so I'll put it that way. Um, uh, yeah, so there's this debate on the topic that I watched with uh, uh, Norman Wildberger, who is one of these finitists, who I thought was very interesting. Um,
1: was was this a recent debate, or is this? From, I think it's from a, few a, while years ago. Okay. It a few years ago.
0: Okay, it's a few years ago. But I just I can't wrap my head. So they don't, you know, they don't like real numbers either. And so, for example, uh, they can't call pi a number. It has to be some computational process. Now, what they argue is. And, and yes, I agree. Maybe on some level, pi is a computational process because if I represent it on a computer, it's either a computation or some... Um, I could represent it as exactly pi as some ongoing computation or I could represent it as a like kind of... Approximation. Uh, approx- approximation, exactly. Um, however, if you're doing mathematics and you're like... If, if you're going to... Um, consider pi as not a number and all these irrational numbers as not a number. Uh, I I just feel like it makes mathematics immensely more difficult to talk about and without much benefit because everything that we, uh, everything that we, everything that we talk about as numbers, even if we wanted to find them underneath as computational processes, that's, um, that's, that's, uh, that just slows people down unnecessarily. Um, well
1: but by that logic though is is not the number four simply a computational process because it's no, zero it has a, successor 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 successor. Right, but it has a
0: finite it ends. It has a finite oh, representation. I see. Okay. Yeah. Uh so um yeah and then there's the problem where um that they point out that's maybe even more um, maybe even more uh problematic I hate that term, but maybe more problematic is that there's this idea of these unknowable numbers in the real number system. What's an unknowable number? That is a number that, uh, let's say it's a number between zero and one. I don't know why I picked that, but let's say it's like a manageable number. I'm not talking about a super huge number. I'm not talking about a, a super small number, but it could never be spoken or represented, uh, in any language. Now how do we know that? But why? Right. So we know that because of uh, Cantor, because he showed that you could never put the counting numbers in one-to-one correspondence with a real number. You've always missed one. So if you try to take all the real numbers and count them, here's one, here's one, here's one, and create set up some infinite process that 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 tries to denumerate them essentially he proved that you'll always miss one or you'll miss a lot. Uh, <laughs> it turns out if you miss one, you miss a lot. So you
1: can denumerate in, in, in the sense that something will be skipped or, or just that at something some point will be missing. you have to stop and, but the numbers go on arbitrarily
0: long. No, no, no. Something will be missing. Uh, something will be missing. Uh, and, and the reason is I, I, I mean, I think it's like too much to go over the diagonal, uh, argument here but basically if you're guessing if you're listing all the real numbers then imagine that you look at the numbers on the diagonal of those guesses because they're all infinite decimals right and then you switch everything on the diagonal that number will never be in the list so that's sort of uh, that's sort of how it works there uh, but um,
1: well let's let's take a momentary yeah. step back here and clarify real numbers
0: yeah oh that's every number on the number line any number between zero and one
1: Okay, uh, right. but, but not limited to, well, obviously, if we're talking about between 0 and 1, not limited to yeah. integers, which when we were talking about counting numbers, though, those were presumably integer numbers we were right. using
0: before. Well, real numbers, by the way, aren't between 0 and 1. They're, they're all over the place. But, right. uh, uh, but, but, but in
1: our example, yeah. all the numbers between 0 and 1 would be real numbers. Right,
0: right, right, right. Like, they, the, like, if you want a continuum in there, there would be real numbers. So 1 over pi would be in there. And pi is a real number, but not a rational number. It's not a ratio. So, um, but pi pi is kind of nice for an irrational number because it's computable, like you know it's actually very easy to compute pi. Uh, and actually, anything that's useful is usually computable. Um, but so you can't number the um, the real number. You can't denumerate the real numbers, but you can denumerate all of the strings in the English language, A B C, and then once you do with the the strings of one length, AA, a, a B, AC, add a space in there and you can get like add all the punctuation you want. And you can, you can enumerate all of the uh, statements in the English language, even ones that are certainly very huge. So um, that's kind of proof that you could never you could never get there and there's lots of numbers we can't talk about. Now, any useful quantity that we can get is, uh, well, first of all, any scientific quantity, is fine because that's always going to be approximation anyway. And any number we talk about in mathematics, well we've already talked about it. So <laughs> it's not in that list. So that's sort of fine. Um but I do I do think there is a usefulness in having these unknowable numbers. And uh there's there's sort of levels of this argument. So there's also the computer science level of this argument where uh, there's something called the busy beaver function. Have you ever heard of this?
1: Not in this context. I okay,
0: think. Well, it's really cool. So it's like um, it's basically pick a, pick your favorite programming language. Let's say it's Python. Okay, okay? and so you say the um, uh, and you limit yourself to programs that print I don't know strings of of zeros. Okay. And then you also limit yourself to programs of a specific length. So let's say, like, I want my code to be 50 characters long or something. And so the busy beaver function of 50 is going to be the function that uh, the, the, the program, I, I don't want to exp- explain all this stuff, that, that prints out the largest number of zeros in a row while still stopping. So, uh,
1: I, I think I have heard some variations on right, this before. Yeah. Right.
0: So, that grows very, so you could say, okay, I'm going to do a for loop, you know, and it's going to go to 1,000 and I'll print zeros. Well, if I'm going to go to 1,000, I might as well go to 9999 nine, nine, nine because it's the same number of characters. And maybe I could fit a for loop within a for loop, you know, all that stuff that you could sort of think of doing. Now, the thing, if you could guess, the thing with that is that's going to grow faster than anything that's computable. Because you're basing it off of what the code can do, so that function is not itself computable, uh, lar- uh, you know, a- and um, proven not computable. Uh, but it still tells us something about how programming works. It tells, it gives us an upper bound to what is possible, what we can do in our constraints. And so, even though it's something that's like outside the system that we can't possibly um, do in the system, it tells us something about the constraints of the system itself. And I think that these unknowable numbers have that same role in mathematics. Um, And so, yeah, but continuums do cause a lot of problems. They cause, there's something called the continuum hypothesis, which is not um, knowable. It's like, okay, so you have the counting numbers, you have the real numbers, there's something in between. Can't not only don't we know, we can't know. <laughs> That's been proven. And uh the tarski paradox, which is in measure theory, which is like there's a there's a construction where you take apart the points of a sphere, um, and then you kind of you don't shrink or, or or but you kind of like you rotate them apart, move them, and then You get a few of them and then rotate them back together and then you have two spheres and then it's like well that's kind of crazy but that's sort of a a fancy um, that's sort of a fancy uh, uh, that's a fancy construction of the Hilbert Hotel which is just like hey everyone move up a room if you're in room two you move up to room three if you're in room three you move up to room four and then um, since there's an infinite amount everyone has a room and then oh look there's an opening at zero it's basically a very complicated ass version of that, is what Banach uh, Tarski is with it, without going into the details. Uh, but it requires the axiom of choice, which is, again, you know, um, we don't, and then mathematicians have ways of getting around it, but it does cause some trippy things that don't conform with our physical intuitions. So um, that's sort of, I honestly, I'm kind of fascinated by this because I feel like. There are people who agree with this finitism stuff that I just don't buy. And I'm just wondering, just to put it out there, if there's anyone who wants to like discuss it on the show, because I'd be happy to talk about it and find out what you believe. Well, the, the... Or what I, I hate to put mathematics in terms of beliefs, but I think it's more of like how you think about things.
1: There's, there's perhaps a compelling argument in the there, 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 there don't exist this many of anything in the universe, so why are we even concerned with numbers this big? Um, But, but we're doing so many abstract things to begin with in mathematics already that, that maybe being able to tie it back to the physical world is not particularly relevant.
0: Right. Uh, And they could also argue that anything you do with a computer is uh, not just finitist, but ultra finitist mathematics. And, you know, so that's why I'm uh, kind of, that's why like, you know, my conception of how things work might be very similar to theirs, but i I also think, yes, but the symbols that I'm manipulating in the computer could also represent an infinite quantity. Um, and they'll say, like, yes, but you're doing a, a finite computation. I just feel like their way of thinking about it makes things overly complicated, actually. Surprisingly, not getting rid of com- infinity makes things overly com- complicated without too many benefits. That's my view of it, but
1: yes. So this this raises the question, how does this tie into quantum quantum computing quantum quantum anything that's and and is this a case where the the physics is forcing us to come up with new maths or the math has explored this and now we're just trying to figure out how to tie it into the physical reality
0: well i don't know if there's i think there's first of all the question that's on my mind that i don't know how to answer is is there an infinity in quantum mechanics and i'm pretty sure the answer is yes in terms of how physics thinks about it but I'm not really sure how that fits in here what, what, what do you think yeah
1: I mean, I, I'm I'm out of my depth already oh there. man yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well look I mean it's it's um if you can be shown that um, you're using some physical process that we think is infinite then uh then yeah that could uh, that, I, I don't know that there isn't an infinite set in the universe too it seems like the universe that we Inhabit is finite in a lot of ways, but we just don't know.
1: Well, it, it, it certainly seems like an 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 appealing way to think about it. That yeah. if if there are numbers that are unknowable, at least in our physical reality, that perhaps uh, the, a, a quantum universe is is where those. You know, uncountable numbers might reside, uh, and and I may be the way I look at it abstracting is abstracting a, in a in in right inaccurate manner. There,
0: I, I I look at numbers kind of abstract concepts, and I don't think that they are, um, I don't think they exist in a physical reality. Now, we're getting, there's a lot of philosophy of numbers, which is really interesting. I think they're just used as useful abstractions that could apply to physical realities like sets, but I feel like they are logical constructions that we can talk about, um, and they're very convenient to talk about, and sometimes mathematics can be used to make predictions into physical reality, but I don't necessarily think it has to. Um, and sometimes you talk about mathematics that don't seem to conform to physical reality, but that's not... Um, I, I, I think that mathematics... Could be something that uh, is, is the study of things that can apply to any physical reality, that that is logically consistent. So, well, I,
1: I feel like there's been a history of of math coming up with with kind of weird conjectures and 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 contexts that at first glance just make no sense. Why why would you even do that? And then we come up with uh, ways to use that in the physical world later on. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe some stuff with like hyperbolic spaces and uh, or hyperbolic geometry or, right. or, or things like that, that, that 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 was developed long before we were doing some of the you know kind of stuff in outer space and, and that that actually utilizes that geometry. Uh, but so so maybe there's something similar going on there with with things in the quantum realm. But but again, yeah, so far outside of my area of of expertise that I'm grasping at straws.
0: Right, right. Okay. So I said my piece on the uh, philosophy of math stuff. Now comes the hard part. How do we tie this in? I feel like meta has their infinity symbol. Um, oh,
1: didn't even think of that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, but, I,
1: I was going to ask, how, how do I use this, this idea of, of, uh, of infinite sets in my daily life? But I, I, I don't know if there's an easy sell on that one.
0: Well, I do feel like there's something very interesting about the idea of um, just coming back to the natural numbers. I created this rule, and I'm going to think of all... Um, combinations that I can create with this rule, um, and, and I, I actually think that those systems are the most interesting in mathematics. How could you use that in your daily life? Um, I don't know about daily life, uh, but um, definitely in terms of just uh, thinking about, um, uh, I, I think it's it's it's. I think it could be used to like, in, in, uh, to to. Um, uh, I feel like I'm going to come up with something that's not going to be very good. <laughs> it could be used as a way to like breaking down a problem. Like this problem applies to all things that are like this or can be constructed in this way. Um, and in fact, the natural numbers are constructed. So that's good because as a, if you're a constructivist, those are people who believe, I only believe in things that can be constructed. Um, One really interesting, and I think I've talked about this before, and I don't want to get into too much now, is the ordinal numbers. And they're constructed, so the natural numbers, like I said, have two rules. The ordinal numbers have one rule. One single rule is that an ordinal number is the collection of all previously defined ordinal numbers. So, okay, I have no numbers that are previously defined. So I could start with zero. I get that. That's my zero, right? Okay. Then what are, what's the collection of all the ones that are previously defined now? Well, it's zero. So the set of that is one. Okay, what's the set of all previously defined now? That's zero and once. So that's two, and so on and so forth. But then you have the collection of all these numbers, which are natural numbers. You see that entire infinite collection is also an ordinal number. So you go one step up, and you keep moving up that chain, and that goes on not only um infinitely but uh, it's so big that it actually doesn't even fit into set theory which is crazy. Um, but that's th- that's th- uh, the problem with that is that you can't always construct it so it's not that that rule doesn't tell you how to construct it from previously defined things it just tells you how to define it if mm. you have some set of previously defined things so uh, very interesting um, I'm not going to get into that so much, unless you have specific questions. Let's let's but, save that for another day. Yeah, yeah. So, what was I trying to do? I was trying to come up with a theme today. T- tie, yeah, I tie feel it back. like I feel like there's some tie back um, with uh, um, with the metaverse. Well, the because meta-
1: because the metaverse is uh, purely purely digital in nature. Yes. Uh, one would think there there's nothing preventing it from being infinite in size. Right. But but will it be? Uh, and and is there a compelling reason to 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 finitize it? Is that the right
0: term? <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Could be. Uh, well, there's only a finite number of people, so there's only a f- finite number of locations that can be rendered. But would you consider the metaverse at least potentially infinite?
1: Yeah. Well, and and going back to the the classic source material, uh, I I believe. The, the original metaverse of of Snow Crash had you know a fixed number of addresses to it, a fixed number. It, it was it was modeled as a sphere of a certain size, and and so you know you yeah. you had a certain number of locations across that. It basically I feel a like coordinate
0: co- coordinate grid. I feel like that one sounds like it's it's more like a blockchain where it starts off with a specific size and it can't be changed. Uh, that sounds interesting. But yes, I think a metaverse that uh, works would be started by something else other than Facebook and Microsoft. I said that already. All right. Well,
1: that, that's uh, certainly uh, the, the infinite versus finite aspect of the metaverse uh, will introduce some some interesting dynamics because presumably uh, people will be purchasing quote-unquote real estate in the metaverse and the market in a finite versus infinite uh, realm is going to be dramatically different. Correct. Um, not not to conflate... Uh, the finite and infinite nature of of certain currencies uh, in, in in our reality, uh, right. But but there's there's some obvious potential parallels there.
0: Yeah, and I I feel like just like we have NFTs now, the the hype in a few years might be like real estate on the uh, in the metaverse sold by Facebook and controlled by Facebook. Uh, that would su- and also sorry Meta. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> this is gonna take a while. All right. I think uh, I think we're good today. We've gone about an hour, so that's uh, that's uh, that's satisfying. I think the people have gotten what they wanted. Any, any last thoughts? I think we're ready to go. Yeah, I, I mean, sure. we'll,
1: we'll definitely be coming back to some of these topics, but I, I think we've said what we've got for today.
0: All right, great. Have a great week, everyone. That's the show. To support The Local Maximum, sign up for exclusive content and their online community at maximum.locals.com. The Local Maximum is available wherever podcasts are found. If you want to keep up, remember to subscribe on your podcast app. Also, check out the website with show notes and additional materials at localmaxradio.com. If you want to contact me, the host, send an email to localmaxradio at gmail.com. Have a great week. Feel the power.